0: But while you're sitting, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8. We'll continue in Paul's writings as we turn a corner this morning in our chapter. We'll pick up in Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25. And while you're turning there, I want to Just press in on our creative minds and remember, as parents and as children and as people, we ask these questions often. And I write it here in this, specifically these questions for us to think about and remind ourselves of the evil in this world. Mom, why are there mosquitoes that give people malaria? Why are there germs that make us sick? Dad, I, I saw on the news a bad flood that killed and hurt people. Why are there floods, earthquakes? Why are there tornadoes and hurricanes? Why are there starving people around the world? Mom... I've learned of a friend who had cancer today. Is this how grandma died? Is this how my brother died? Mom, why do people set off bombs and to blow one another up? Dad, why do people do bad things to hurt each other? As parents, these are questions that are frequent as kids get older. But even ourselves, we've We've wrestled with these realities. We have pondered and many have become agnostic atheists because they don't understand and rightfully so, they can't place and come up with an s- answer that satisfies them to the question of how can a loving God be and allow such evil, such terrible suffering amongst the world I personally have wrestled with that question. We all have. No one is exempt from suffering or death. But it is important that you and I this morning, though it may be heavy, listen to this hopeful message that Paul has given to us. We are not immune to the difficulties, the oppressions, the ailments, But parents and peers, we've all pondered the question, why so much suffering? I want to pray with you right now. Joe, so eloquent as often, let us in songs to prepare our hearts of this idea of groaning for the bridegroom, for the groom to come for his bride. I love that song. But as we pray right now, I want you to pray specifically. Think about an area in your life, an ailment, whether it's a job or a sickness of a loved one. Whatever is pressing in on you as this weight, this weight. I want you to pray that this morning that you have more clarity about what God is doing with that weight on your balance. Let's pray together. Lord, as we look at this passage, though heavy yet hopeful, we know we know that Paul is aiming to teach us here about these momentary afflictions and these t- areas of suffering, God. He leads us to consider, is it even worth the thought compared to the eternal glory that we will receive? But we know, Father, as your sons and daughters and hopeful for the truth, hopeful for eternity, we know that you are doing something here and now in our life with everything that happens that's taken place. And you're working it out for your glory and for the good of those who love you, Father. So as we answer those questions, that one question, why so much suffering? As we look to the groaning in our life and into the creation, Holy Spirit, convict us deeply, rebuke us in areas, change us to be more like Jesus Christ, encourage us, Heavenly Father. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our main thought or our main idea before we read our passage together, I would sum up in these few words. Though we groan together, we groan with the assurance of hope. Though we groan together, we groan together with the assurance of hope. Over the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at this word, groan. We're going to look at it in three parts. In two weeks, in three parts. Three groanings, if you will. The first being creation. The second being you and I, the Christian. And then the third being the Spirit on our behalf. Next week, we'll get into the third part. But today, we will get into the first part. Two parts, the Christian and the creation. To groan is, it's a way that you and I express our grief. We express our grief, but we also express our anger through groaning. And we also express desire. Groaning summed up is an expression of our grief, our anger, and our desire towards something that's in our life. So let's look at our passage and knowing what groaning means in Romans chapter 8, 15 through 25. Let's look to Paul's teaching. Sorry, 18 through 25. <laughs> I do apologize. We'll begin in chapter, and verse 18. For I consider that sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory of, For who, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Starting in verse 18, let's consider the first groan, creation. For I consider that sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Starting with Paul's sentiment here is... And maybe the essence is that he is saying, for I consider that the sufferings, Paul has even looked to his own sufferings and realized, are they even worth talking about compared to the light of eternity, of the future glory that's coming to you and I? But though he just considered it, he decided by the, by the Spirit of God working through him to pin That the suffering of this present time is not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So he's considering here. It's as if Paul were standing holding this balance scale. If I could paint this image for you. This scale, two plates, one on each side. And Paul is looking at one side, all of the suffering that he's been through i could give you a quick list here he was beaten stoned shipwrecked paul knew what it was like to go with and without he was he has eaten much he has he has been hungry he has been thirsty he has been cold he's been exhausted he's been ridiculed so paul in, in, in essence is considering the weight of all his suffering on one side of the balance and then on the other side he places glory he places eternal glory So, you have this picture of this balance. Paul talking about all the things he's been through. And then he considers those things and he says, it doesn't even compare to the weight for us in future glory the prize, the reward, the goodness. And it's as if the scale just drops because of the balance. There's no comparison whatsoever. When we look at our lives, we should do the same. We should see the balance in our life the same. We should see these weights. And immediately, this, as, as Paul was, as I'm looking and describing to you, the scale drops underneath the greater weight. There's no comparison because remember what he wrote in 2 Corinthians four seventeen. I read, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He said, I don't even consider it much compared to what is waiting for you and I, church. When you walk into our house, you go through the mudroom and locker room, and to the right in our coffee bar area, you're going to see a balance scale. It was a gift that I was able to find and give my wife uh, two Christmases ago. And when you walk in there, you see on one side, you'll see a different trinket each time, a different object set on the left side but on the other side you'll see an e because when we look at that balance in our kitchen we have different these different little elements and little pieces that we place there to remind us of the weight in our life but the e always stays there the e will always stay there because everything on our balance the left balance is in light of the weight of the glory and eternity Right now when you go in, there's a pearl because that pearl reminds us of our daughter, the little oyster shell. So when I was thinking through this imagery that I wanted to present to you, Proverbs 1611 came to mind. And it reads, A just balance and scales are the Lord's. The weights in his bag are his. So as we go through life, as Paul is considering these weights... These weights that the Lord is placing on our balance, the left side, just one at a time, allowing us to walk through certain things, are preparing us for glory. And we always have to be remembered that that weight of glory is greater weight than the momentary afflictions that we have here and now. Paul is working out a view, a clear application, and a clear understanding of what suffering here and now means to you and I. We've all been there. I can scan the room right now in just deep, dark moments and seasons of grief. I know each story. We've all been through it in some area and still walking them out. We will always walk them out together until we reach the final reward, future glory. We will have weight after weight, after weight placed on our scales in life. But the difference between you and I in this analogy, in this picture of weight is the way you and I view it versus the non-believer. When we view these weights as believers, we witness God's work. He is a loving God. But as non-believers, they see these weights in their life and they ask the question, how can a God that's so loving, do this or allow this. They can't understand the work of God in their weights. So, my encouragement to you to see these weights in your life is God's grace. Because He's given you a perception to understand as a Christian that He is working these things out. So, you and I, we need to preserve. We need to preserve in this present suffering with hope. We must, in order for us to preserve in this present suffering with hope, we must keep our eyes on the future glory that God has promised. We must do this. Because we know that Paul, as he continues to elaborate in our passage this morning, that this glory that we keep our eyes on is going to be revealed through us. It's going to be revealed in us. It's going to be revealed to us, depending on which translation of the scriptures you read. But the reality is is that you and I will experience this glory. We will become manifested as sons and daughters, as we'll learn in a moment. But all of creation eagerly waits for this revealing. Creation, verse 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of sons of God. Like a child waiting for the father to return home. What a good feeling, parents you've been gone for some time and they can't let go of you. It's as if this picture of creation is standing on its tiptoes, craning forward, anticipating and eagerly waiting this remarkable event for you and I to become and to be revealed and for the glory to come. Finally, we are perfect and good and right in the eyes of all creation and God. And they're waiting for that moment, church, for you and I as the bride. Creation is joining. This revealing of the sun's of God It corresponds perfectly with verse 18 about the glory that's supposed to be revealed in us. We already are the sons of God. We are, but when Christ returns, this will be made known openly to everyone. Good news, church. He is on our side and fighting for us, and as we are already sons of God, we have, do I have the opportunity to experience him here and now. But we must understand this morning, in this first understanding of groaning, that creation is longing. And it's longing not because it chooses to, it is longing because it was subjected to it because of the fall of man, because of Adam's choice. There is death, there is sickness. And the deliverance of nature and creation itself is tied to becoming whole and to becoming right and to becoming perfect when God's glory is revealed in us. So you see why it's longing? It's like, hurry up. (laughs) Come on, God. You know, let's do this. Because even creation itself is wanting to be righteous. Look at verse 20. For creation, as I mentioned this, It was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. It is also that nature, it's like as nature here is frustrated. It's frustrated with the sin in Adam's life, and not just the sin, but the result of sin. It was cursed, and it cannot properly fulfill its purpose to glorify and honor God to which it even exists. Creation cannot properly worship God to its fullness because of the fall of man. And it is groaning and it is longing with us. So to answer those first sets of questions, parents, to get real practical here, whenever they ask these questions about the earthquake and about the sickness and about all the death and about all the things that are wrong in this world, we need to point them to Adam. We need to point them to sin. We need to point them to death because without that, we do not have victory. We do not have the other direction. We say, though we have this, we have this. We are saved into a new hope. So parent, rest assured this morning you can answer those questions as simple saying, because of the fall of man. And i would going to be like, well, what's the fall of man? And then you elaborate yourself. You go a step further and talk about sin. Talk about the sin and how anything sin touches brings death. But we know that this, if according to verse 20, it was creation cannot properly fulfill its purpose in its existence. In verse 21, the creation itself is It wants to be set free from its bondage. It wants to be set free from the corruption. It wants the freedom of the glory. He wants the freedom of the glory that is found in the children of God. Creation itself is looking to this all day. And just think about it when I'm driving, and especially me having the privilege of sitting on this passage this week, just driving through the trees and through creation itself. And it's just, it's longing To do what it was created to do for its purpose. But the reality is though they are wanting this liberty to glorify God, creation is in bondage to decay. It is decaying. Look at it. Physically look at it. There's areas it's not as pretty as it used to be. Fires, earthquakes... All of these disasters of the earth, it's not the same. Creation is suffering and is groaning. And unfortunately, the sin of man is just speeding up the process. We are. I could go into a bit of a rabbit chase here. Talk about us stewarding the land and stewarding the, what God has given us in the first place. But you know what I mean. But I will say we need to care for the things God's given us. Because we long with creation. We are one with them. Creation is running down to its death. And sin of man is speeding the the process. So as this creation groans, according to verse 22, it's been groaning together for a long time. It's been growing together as it describes here in the pains of childbirth. In the, in the pains of childbirth. Mothers, you could really resonate with this. Fathers, we have no idea, so don't try. To carry a child, Carlo, to carry a child to birth. I've seen my wife go through it four times. And there's pains that come along with it. But those pains are worth it. The pains are worth it because sitting here holding what your body, God created your body to be able to create and labor through and produce. And creation is doing the same thing. As we look at it through the lens of childbirth, it is as if it is producing right now this child and is working and is working out these birth pains. And then one day, glory, the birth of righteous glory. And creation knows, creation knows, just as the mother knows that it's worth it paul is teaching us here creation knows that it's worth it it's groaning under the pain described as childbirth but we must not leave it just here as pain it must be pain with purpose and we know that purpose that purpose is the glory of god john calvin puts it not death pains but birth pains the pain will have worthwhile end, but it was going to culminate in glory. The Old Testament pins it this way Old Testament prophets declared, the desert will blossom like a rose. The wolf and the lamb, the wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and nothing will hurt nor destroy in all God's holy mountains. This is glory. This is the future glory that creation is groaning towards. And you and I are to do the same. And as creation groans, and someday it will be delivered from all of its corruption, when Christ returns, his glory will be revealed in the sons of God. A new heavens, a new earth will be established, and we will be whole again. Amen? So we must preserve in our present sufferings, like creation, with hope. Anticipation, and we must join with it, keep our eyes fixed on the future glory that God has promised. So we understand creation is longing for this. Now we long for it as well. Look at verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, church, not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits. Grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Look at that. We join in with creation, but we have the first fruits. It didn't say creation had the first fruits. It said you and I have the first fruits. This is the present ministry right now of the Holy Spirit in our lives, pledging and giving us a foretaste of this wonderful, wonderful new future. The Holy Spirit working in us, giving us a foretaste of God's hope and goodness and glory. We are experiencing that right now, receiving the first fruits of the work of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's a blessing. That's God's grace. That's really good news for you and I. It creates us to worship differently, to go differently. But we know that this joyous hope, it doesn't eliminate the present groans. Though we have the first fruits of this ministry, it doesn't eliminate the present groans. Our spirits, yes, have been saved, but you and I are still living in these dying bodies. I mean, we're getting older. Death awaits us all. But look at, I'm reminded of Romans 8, Verse 11. If the Spirit of Him, remember the first fruits, first spirits of His ministry, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. He who has raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. We talked about this a few weeks ago how the Spirit corrects our perspective and that we can walk this life though our human bodies are decaying, though we suffer devastation and disease in our bodies, though we still grieve and watch loved ones and friends go through the hardest times in their life, we long with creation for the climax. We long for the conclusion. We long for the day that when our adoption is complete, when the judge signs a line and we are complete, We long for those days just as a foster parent longs to adopt their child. You can't talk to a foster parent or one who's waiting for adoption. They wait and long and anticipate that day to sign the line for their child. And we do the same. As a kid and as a child in an orphanage, lost, wanting for the parent, we long for that. We long for the day of the final word whether we are raised from our mortal bodies there's no more corruption there's no more pain and paul calls it specifically in the scripture the redemption of our bodies in verse 23 complete redeemed it's already paid for but we're going to be raised up and manifested as the sons of god and creation longs for that we long for that this glory is going to be revealed in us Many of us can identify with Paul. You can identify with Paul because you're, you're either walking alongside someone. You're helping them as best as possible to shoulder their ailments their, their and their sufferings. You know someone who's going through pain, a broken marriage. And the reality here is I get real personal. I groaned. I groaned when I learned of, of Maisie's death I groaned in the same way that when I learned of a fellow brother's divorce I groaned in the same way when I learned of those who are fighting cancer and it's just it's just the finish line we all know someone or something and we've been through it ourselves we groan differently We join in with creation, hopefully. We groan and we groan and we groan and we groan to the point that there's no physical or flesh-given strength to keep us going anymore. But that's when you and I, church, turn to verse 24. We look to this passage, and specifically verse 24, for in this hope we are saved. We were saved, excuse me. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for something or for some, for who hopes for what he sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. At some point we all, I know you may not understand it now and it took me years, but at some point in my walk and maturing to the knowledge of God and what he is doing in my life, you become thankful. You become to, even though I still groan each day, I become thankful in it. And it's important to know because the reason I become thankful is because of this hope. This passage that I was called and saved into this hope. That I was adopted into this hope. We have this hope and anticipation that non-believers do not have. The church. We are not immune, as I said earlier, to the suffering in our lives. But we must join in with Paul and consider its weight. Consider its weight. We'll have all the riches of heaven. Church will have no more pain, it'll be perfect one day. But until then, you and I press on. We press on in our race. We press on. Our groaning here on earth and in heaven, it will turn to his glory. And the beauty of being a part of his first first fruit of ministry is that you and I, we can see it. We can see God working out in us now and we know how God will work it out later. But our responsibility is to turn to it, to turn to this hope. Stay and cling and reunite and cling to it because if we are to preserve in our present suffering with hope, we must join creation and keep our eyes fixed on the future glory that God promised. For you and I, church, we do not hope in things that we can see. We hope in the things that we do not see, but understand. God is working this out in us. So let's preserve in our present suffering. Let's hope together. Let's hope together, church, for His glory. And it is okay If you find yourself right now saying, God, come, come, Lord, come quickly, free me, rescue me, redeem me from this God-forsaken fallen earth, it is okay for you to be there. Creation is there. But it is not okay for us to stay there because in our hope, from when we do this and fix our eyes, people see the work of Christ. Christ. And when they witness the work of Christ, they see his power being made perfect in our weaknesses. Let's suffer well together. It's a part of who we are. It is our witness and joining in with the gospel proclamation. Creation is doing it. You and I join in with creation and groan. Next week, we'll learn about how the Spirit groans on our behalf us pray father we trust you will work out in us your plans teach us to keep our eyes fixed on the hope that will bring about perseverance keep us to be fixed on the future glory for we know our reward and it's worth the race God, I pray specifically for each person in this room individually that if this message, Father, has stirred up an emotion, has stirred up a memory, that, God, that you will comfort them and that you know that each one of us who call you Father will be made perfect when our adoption is complete. So we respond to you, Father. We respond to your word. Holy Spirit, move as you see fit. Teach us as a church to suffer and continue to suffer well together as we anticipate and groan and long and desire future glory. For we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.